Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode four of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. If you've listened to our past three episodes, you know that we are lawyers over at Hashtag Legal. We work a lot with people in the influencer marketing space. And today, we're going to talk to you about the six legal mistakes that we regularly see in the influencer marketing world. And we want to stress to you, these are mistakes that we see on all sides, not just from influencers or bloggers. I know. Everybody makes mistakes. And it's networks, it's agencies, it's brands, and it's influencers. And so we're hoping that we can help you guys out a little bit and help you avoid these common pitfalls that we see. Jamie, do you want to know something? I do. People think legal is boring sometimes. What? No. I know. I think no. it's crazy too. I think it's nuts. And we just want to say, we know that this may not be at the top of your list. You may not think this is the sexiest topic ever, but we know that this can help you because we want to make sure that you know exactly what to look out for. What are some of the pitfalls that you may face in your influencer marketing business? So we promise we're going to keep it easy and light and understandable. And if we go into legalese, you guys can yell at us in the Facebook group. I have something that I'm, we're going to say to the audience that's going to help them be super psyched. This podcast is going to make you money. I love making money. I know. Okay, Jamie, tell us about mistake number one. Danielle, mistake number one relates to companies. How often do you get this question about when do I form a company? Oh, all the time. And do I have to? That's the number one thing I get. Do I have to? And do you it know just what seems so easy if I don't. And do you know what happens when we tell people that they should? They don't want to. They don't and do they, it. Yeah, they don't want to. I know. So we're going to tell you a little bit about what different companies you can form are and when you should form them. Jamie, before we get started talking about companies, is there a form that people can use where they are not doing something with filing fees and a lot of paperwork. So as soon as you start a business, whether you filed paperwork, done nothing, you are immediately, as long as you're working alone, you're a sole proprietor. And all that means is you're doing some form of business. You're selling a service, you're making money off of your blog, you're selling a product, and you don't have to do anything. You can just be you. Uh, people who want to use a trade name will sometimes file something called a DBA or doing business as, but you can just sort of hang out and be your sole proprietor. It's actually really easy. 
Uh, and a well, lot of people do that. That sounds amazing. Why would you go through paperwork? What's the point? So the biggest problem with the sole proprietorship is, well, it is very, very easy. And we do love easy. Easy is good. But unfortunately, the problem with the sole proprietorship is your personal assets could be at risk if something were to happen. Say someone were to sue you or you were to get into a situation where you defaulted on a contract. And so it wouldn't just be your business assets, but somebody could sue you and they could try to come after your house or your bank accounts or your car, anything that's yours if you haven't separated your business from your personal assets. I'm just going to throw in here that you're starting to sound like a scary lawyer. I'm so fun. I'm not scary. (laughs) There is a very easy quick fix for this. What is it? Because I think that this is where people start to get freaked out when they say, I don't want to be a business because I am going to lose my house and I'm just going to put my blinders on and ignore everything. So how can somebody fix this easily? So the easiest way to fix this um, and for most, and this is really more for influencers and bloggers, is to form an LLC. And an LLC is a limited liability company. They are each limited liability company uh, is specific to each state. So the requirements in order to form one vary. So we always recommend that you talk to a lawyer, at least get a little bit of advice before you start. But they're typically quite simple to form with just some documentation that you need to file and an agreement that you would need to have. Um, And then you're good to go. You just have to make sure that um, your LLC is formed correctly. And then you need to make sure that you keep your business and your personal assets separate. There are some other... Okay, Jamie, you're making this sound easy. Why does it intimidate people? I think people get scared with the paperwork, to be honest with you, or they're nervous about calling a lawyer or I don't know. um, It feels official. There are some costs involved. There are fees that you have to pay to the state. You also want to talk to an accountant about any possible tax issues. But as I say to anybody, if you are looking to make a dollar in your business, then you definitely should form some kind of entity. And typically the LLC is what makes sense for most people. What about corporations? We get tons of questions from our clients that usually are, I talked to my CPA and my CPA said I should form an S-Corp. So S-Corps are awesome when it comes to certain tax issues. And Danielle and I are not tax professionals. So we always defer to CPAs when it comes to those tax issues. However, forming an S corp or a C corp, which is just kind of the more complicated version of a corporation is harder. It involves a lot more hoops you have to jump through a lot more paperwork and you don't necessarily need to file and become an S corp in order to take advantage of those tax benefits you get from being an S-Corp. There is a beautiful form you can fill out with the IRS where you essentially take S-Corp status through your LLC. How boring That sounds that sound? easy. It is. It is one form. So if you form an LLC and your CPA comes to you and says, you are going to save a ton of money if you are an S-Corp, all you got to do is file that great form and you're set and ready to go. Is there ever a time when you think it's better to be a corporation versus an LLC? Corporations typically tend to make the most sense when you're looking to either have multiple investors or you're at some point looking to go public. That tends to be the time that corporations are most beneficial. Now, one question that I know we hear a lot, and I think that people start Googling which LLC is the best for me, and they think Delaware, because I used to live there. Delaware is tiny, but amazing. For most bloggers or influencers, do you think it makes sense to file in Delaware? So the issue that I always sort of talk people through is, 
even if you were to file your LLC in Delaware, you still have to tell the state that you're living in that you're doing business there. So then you'd essentially be paying two fees, one to Delaware and one to the state where you're living. So for most people, it doesn't really make sense uh, filing in Delaware. That's a question that I know I hear a lot. So I'm sure other people have that as well. This is the other thing that we always hear when we're talking about companies. When is the right time to form? As I said, I really believe that as soon as you decide or even before you make that first dollar, just form the LLC. It is an investment in your business. It gives you an air of legitimacy. It protects you and it gives you a peace of mind. And it's just not that difficult. I always encourage people to file, um, whether it's an LLC or a corporation, uh, something so that they are protected. I also think it's really important for people when you're looking at expanding the scope of your business. So if you've got third parties, like whether it's contractors or sponsors, when you're starting to engage in really making money, so think about it. You've got somebody who's paying you or you're paying them. You want to host an event, that type of thing. That is really an ideal time to look at what your what company form you have. I totally agree because we have come across instances where someone as a sole proprietor entered into an agreement. Unfortunately, that person defaulted on that agreement. They weren't able to follow through with their obligations and they owed a lot of money to somebody. And Give us a ballpark of how much that could mean to someone if they default on their contract. It just really depends. In this particular instance um, that I'm thinking of, this person owed quite a significant sum. It was in the six-figure range. And when you don't have a company formed, this person's house could have been on the line if they were to get sued. And it happens. That is so scary. One thing that we hear is people concerned about the cost. So, So think about it. So one thing we want you to think about is an initial investment up front can help save you tens of thousands plus, depending upon what the situation is. And how cool is it to just be an LLC? You're so super official. I love it too. It's awesome. All right, Danielle, we have sufficiently, everybody here now listening is going to form their LLC. So mistake number one, done. Tell us about the second mistake. Not having appropriate policies on your website. Wait Uh a minute. Are you also one of those people who actually reads people's policies on your websites? Yes, I love them. I do too. Why do people hate them? First thing that I go to look for most of the time is disclaimers because I want to know if somebody's really giving me advice and what they're, if they've got credentials on certain topics. And I do read privacy policies because I think that's really, I want to know what information they're tracking for sure. I totally agree. So tell Mm -hmm. me, if someone is just starting out, they have their website, they're ready to go. What do they need on their website in order to make sure that they are protected? And this is for everybody. This is bloggers. This is networks. This is brands. This is anybody who has a website. Exactly. There are three pieces that I think are the most important. Now, there's a fourth piece that kind of gets a bonus mention, and that is if you're selling a product, you want to make sure you've got your purchase policies laid out. Those are so important. And refund policies. Yes. Make sure that's all there. And if you're selling particularly a digital product, make sure you have how it can be used. So if I buy something, can I immediately show Jamie and say, you've got to check out this thing? Chances are no, you don't want that to happen. So just make sure it's clear how people can use whatever product you're selling. Ultimately, when I look at policies, I like to leave there with no questions. 
Yes. So I know what governs my relationship with the person who's giving me all this amazing information. Mm-hmm. And that is something you're really going to cover in your website terms. Your website terms are your terms of use. And think of that as your contract with your audience. You are telling them about your ownership, what they can and can't do with the site. And sometimes people think, I shouldn't have to tell people that they can't hack my site, but you should also cover it. (laughs) Well, you know what else? Some people also think they shouldn't tell people that they can't steal their content, but that happens all the time. It does. There are a lot of times where people, if they have amazing food content, they may say, you know what? You can use one of my pictures in your roundup post, but you can't use all of my pictures in my text. That's where you're going to cover it is somewhere like your website terms so that it is clear how people can use your content. And that also benefits you if someone in the horrible chance, and we'll talk about IP in a second, if someone does take your content, you can refer back to your site terms and say, per my terms, this is what you can do with my content. This is what you can't do. And it gives you something you can refer back to. So part of those website terms you already mentioned are the disclaimers. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about when you typically see disclaimers and what are people disclaiming? This is the example I give every single time because I know I'm not the only one who does it. When you go consult Dr. Google for whatever symptom you have, when you have a basic cold, you're probably going to end up on what? WebMD, most likely. When you end up there every time, right? Every time. (laughs) (laughs) And then you think you have a whole host of exotic illnesses. I have been there, but you're going to see a disclaimer that I think is really easy to understand. And that is them saying, we're not your doctor. We're not a doctor. This is medical information. It is not advice. Please don't take this as a replacement for that advice. Go see your doctor. Stop it, Danielle. Sort of like this podcast. We are not your lawyers. We're giving you lots of amazing information, mm-hmm. but by listening to this podcast, we are not, we are not forming any relationship unless you want to give us a call and hire us, which call us, right? Like to work with you. Hashtag dash legal.com. <laughs> Same thing, right? Exactly. So make sure, I think that this is extremely important for people who have certifications of some sort or a license. So for us, because we have a legal license, if you're a registered dietitian, if you are a certified personal trainer, things along those lines, make sure it's clear that you're not entering into a relationship. I also think it's important when you are giving people instructions and things that are really specific, like recipes or tutorials that this is not a kind of tutorial that I would go to, but for crafts, like where there are instruments with which you can hurt yourself. Um, How amazing are some of those craft tutorials? They make uh, me amazing, but I can't do it. No. I would be like glued to the wall, burned from my hot glue gun. So those are the kind of things that you can include in your disclaimer. Or if you are a travel blogger or someone who talks a lot about local events, you're essentially making recommendations about venues or things that people can do, make sure it's really clear that even though you are posting about them, that's not an endorsement. You aren't guaranteeing what kind of results they're going to have. So tell me about privacy. I think that's the last topic that you had mentioned. Everybody always wants to know what's happening to their information. Where does it live? Privacy policies are super important because it tells your audience what data you're collecting, how you use it. Do you share it with third parties? and how you use cookies. They are required by the state of California. So I think it's something that every website should have because you could have one person visiting from California and you need to make sure that you're protected. It is super simple to do, but when it comes to blogging, 
that's where I think it can get a little bit tricky. All right. You've just told, we've just told our, our audience that they need to get all of these various policies and conditions and disclaimers. Where do they get them? Well, the one question that we hear all the time is, I went to this free privacy policy generator. Is it good enough? And I give the world's worst lawyery answer and I say, maybe. <laughs> That's my favorite answer. <laughs> I know. Or yes, but. It depends. <laughs> exactly. And it might be good enough. But I think for in the influencer marketing space, you are doing things that are probably not necessarily going to be what a free generator covers. Things like affiliate links for cookies, things like Google Analytics with audience demographics, which Google Analytics does require that you disclose that. If you are doing sponsored content with tracking pixels, those are the types of things that you want to make sure are included in your privacy policy so your audience knows exactly what's being tracked and how you're using their information. So in those types of situations, we do recommend either talk to a lawyer to see exactly what kind of coverage you need or find a template that was created specifically for influencers. Should we do a shameless plug, Jamie? I love shameless plugs. Me too. So we do have in the businesses store a privacy policy that has been custom created for bloggers. And we'll link to that in the show notes, which you can find at businesses.com slash episode four. And we also have awesome disclaimers. That's right. Good point. Also okay. can be found in the businesses store. And we'll link that as well. Okay. All right. So now Let's, we're covered. Our website's yes. fully protected. Mm -hmm. Our audiences know exactly where they stand with us. Mistake number now, three. Tell me what mistake number three is, Jamie. This one is the one that hurts my heart. It's when people don't get agreements in writing. Why, so, why wouldn't they get it in writing? What's I love contracts. <sighs> Do you hear that sigh? I love contracts too, but no one loves contracts. People hate contracts, Why? actually. Contracts they scare them. Contracts are long and some of them are very tiny fonts and they have Ugh. lots of legalese and they're painful. I mm -hmm. totally get that. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, and this topic is so big. It is so important to us that we're actually going to focus an entire episode on influencer marketing contracts. That way, when you get that giant 12-page contract that's an <laughs> eight-point font, you're going to be able to look at it and say, I can read this. It's not that difficult once you know what you're looking at. But the biggest thing that we want to stress right now is always get it in writing. And one thing we really do want to point out is that we're not just talking about contracts between influencers and brands, which is what a lot of people think of. We are also talking very specifically about vendors and service providers, and more importantly, your team. So what happens if you hire one of your friends or someone you know from your neighborhood to help you doing social amplification. Should you have a contract? Yes. Yes. Always. For sure. So that's the kind of thing that we want to make sure that in those circumstances, you are really thinking about, am I, is money changing hands? Are we doing something? In ex is there an exchange happening here? Yes, get the contract, get it in writing. It protects both people. And even if it's not even money, you can be bartering and you should have something written down because what mm -hmm. if you perform a service for somebody and they're supposed to perform a service in exchange for that or give you a product and they don't. Exactly. You want to make sure that you have it in writing so that you have some recourse. Now we get a very, the, the next question we always get when we say get it in writing because this is our mantra, I'm going to stitch it on a pillow, is our emails contracts. Are they? They can be. So that is great. That is that's very, that lawyer answer again. I know. That was not just a always... mailed maybe. I know what that was. <laughs> it depends. A email can be a contract. 
Absolutely. The difference, though, is that emails typically only have bare bone terms. For example, how much you're paying somebody, what they're doing for you. But they be they may they are likely and almost all emails that have sort of formed a contract are missing loads of other terms that you need to protect yourself. Um, and so while an email is better than nothing, particularly better than, oh, but we had a phone call, it's something <laughs> <laughs> which we've heard before. Um, it is far better to have an actual executed document that is a contract um, and which you can do all online. You don't need to actually sign it. We have written in a blog post ages ago about all the great online uh, tools that are out there so that you can digitally sign contracts. Um, you we'll can check it out on the, the show notes. blog. Yeah. It's yeah. A good one, so. I, and our personal favorite, and we'll say it here, that we use for our practice is DigiSigner. I know a lot of people also really like HelloSign. I cannot stress to you how simple they are to use. So once you've got your contract template, upload it and you can go from there. DigiSign, it's heavenly. So happen to know an easy place where people can find contract forms? Let me think. Hold on. Shameless plug. Business ease. <laughs> That's right. Go to the store. We'll have links to our contract section. We have everything you might need from sponsored content posts, our, our sponsored content contracts to independent contractor agreements. If you're hiring a VA, if you have a licensing agreement, things along those lines, we've got some templates that are made specifically for people in the influencer marketing space. And this is a huge part of our practice at Hashtag Legal. We do so much custom contract work. We've seen every single clause that you can think of. Um, so we we have a good idea of sort of what's going out there and what's changing. And, and we really know what to look for in those agreements. Mm-hmm. So now we have covered three mistakes. Our audience has their companies. They have their terms and conditions. They are going to use their contracts. What are we doing for mistake number four? What are we fixing? It's time to talk about it. The FTC. <sighs> Can we cue in some like very scary music? Or we can just do a dun dun dun. <laughs> Nobody likes this topic. And you know what? I We know that this is important and we're going to do a full episode about this. It'll be coming soon, probably in a couple of episodes. But we want to give everybody the basics. And the basics are pretty simple. Please disclose if you <laughs> are in a material relationship with someone and you are promoting them as a result, disclose it. That's all. That's as simple as it gets. So... How do you disclose? You need to make it clear and conspicuous. I love this. This is, we have an amazing test that we use. Danielle and I, our moms are, Mm -hmm. sorry moms, not the most technically savvy people. No. My mom has a flip phone. (laughs) My mom doesn't have a cell phone. (laughs) Your mom wins. Yeah, she doesn't Um, have one. She does, however, like Facebook a lot. Oh, my mom's not on Facebook. Yeah. So we have, Mm -hmm. so we have our mom test. This is how we determine whether or not something is clear and conspicuous. Tell me the mom test. If your mom, who is not tech savvy, will understand that something has been sponsored, it's clear and conspicuous. So does it say ad or sponsored somewhere in the post? That's usually a pretty good indicator. Or through natural language, does it say, I am so excited to have partnered with this brand to tell you about their product What if someone just gives you a product? Do you have to disclose? Absolutely. Material relationship. You are posting because they gave you a product. So it's not just money. Exactly. Product too. So we have one big tip here 
that we really want to make sure people know. And that is, please, if you are still using hashtag SP or hashtag spawn, S-P-O-N, please stop. No more. No. Hashtag sponsored or hashtag ad have specifically been approved by the FTC. So go with those. And please don't make up cute hashtags to try to hide your disclosures. I one time saw somebody do hashtag blogger swag. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. And you can't bury it. So if you're no. on Instagram, we've all seen them, right? The wall of hashtags. <laughs> and right in the middle of the 3000 hashtags is a little hashtag ad that is not mm-hmm. clear and conspicuous because nobody's reading all your hashtags. Exactly. And where should the disclosure be? The disclosure has to be before anybody can leave your page. As soon as you start to mention and give someone a link or an opportunity to sort of navigate away, you need to make sure your disclosure is there. That is incredibly important. It can be, if you're writing a blog post, it can be weaved in. And we really like to do it that way um, with natural language. It doesn't have to be in big, bold letters at the top. This is a sponsored post. You can do it in a much more authentic and natural way, but just make sure you do it up front. Now, one thing that we always hear from people when we talk about natural language is, well, I want to do natural language, but the brand told me that I have to use hashtag ad. If it's part of your contract to use a specific form of disclosure, please make sure that you are doing that. That's contractual. So it's really important. It's important for you to understand how to do the appropriate disclosures. But for a brand, if they're doing you know, quality control, it's really important that they be able to see what it is that they're looking for for their own compliance. We work with a number of influencer networks and we've seen in the contracts between the networks and the brands exhibits that could be three to five pages long that talk solely about what the disclosures are and what they need to be. So if you are working with a network, if you're an influencer or if you're an influencer network working with influencers, either way, just make sure that the network passes along that information to you. And if you're an influencer, just ask. Ask Mm -hmm. the brands as well. If you don't know, ask the brand. They'll happily tell you because not only could you have issues, but the brand can as well. So it's really important that you just ask. It's very easy. Um, And frequently they will have guidelines themselves. Okay. That's everything for FTC for now. Remember, we have a long episode about FTC coming soon where we'll talk more about the specifics of different channels, how to disclose, when to disclose, things like that in case you did not get enough information here. Uh Tell us about the next mistake, Jamie. So we frequently get asked about intellectual property. Intellectual property. I just used a legalese term. You did. Tell us what that means. Intellectual property is a trademark, a copyright, or a patent. Those three things. We don't do anything with patents. That's not what we're going to be here talking about. But we do a ton of work related to trademarks and copyrights. This is such a broad area of law. I could probably talk for the next three hours about it, which I know I know you want me to, but I'm going to hold back. Um, we are going to have a future episode about intellectual property. It's something that we do every single day. Wouldn't you say? I would. This for is, sure. And yeah. I think one of the biggest questions for people who are perhaps new to the space or are scaling their business and growing. What Can you tell us what the difference between copyright and a trademark is? Because I hear confusion there all the time. I do too. So a trademark is covering your name, your business name. However, you're holding yourself out to the public, what your name is. Hashtag legal, businesses, those are our trademarks because you've come to associate hashtag legal with us. So nobody else can go out there and use that term. 
use that name to hold themselves out as a business. Copyright protects your original works of art. And that is a term that's actually very broadly used. So it needs to be original, meaning you did it, you didn't take it from somebody else. And it means you put it out there, you wrote it down, you put up a blog post, you took a picture. Um, and that those works, as soon as you, and this is, I'm going to use some legalese, as soon as it's fixed to a tangible medium, which essentially what? means, I know the copyright <laughs> office loves that, which all it means is you pushed published or you took that photo. That's all. Um, you have a, an automatic copyright. And so those are the differences between the two. So here's a question that I know I hear and I'm sure you do. Can I have this amazing methodology that I teach and I've never put it down anywhere? Is that copyrighted? You cannot copyright an idea. I'm sorry. So what I would wish... you recommend somebody do there if they have this amazing thing? Write a beautiful book. Write a plot blog post, take a photo. I like have, that. It's good. Okay. You got to write it down. Now, one thing that we hopefully don't have to say, but we are going to anyway, please do not right click and copy someone's photo and use it as your own. This was definitely a really big problem for a long time. Would you agree? I think it's still a problem. We get calls from people all the time saying someone just lifted my whole blog post or someone yeah. just lifted my photo. Like a day ago, someone just <laughs> sent me an email saying, what do I do? I just found out somebody's copied my website. Um, it happens. True. It I happens, hate seeing that. And we just want to make sure that everybody who is in the influencer marketing space knows not to do it to someone else. If you want your work protected, make sure you're respecting other people's intellectual property rights, too for sure. And I think that one way that this can happen and that we see pretty frequently is photo licenses for stock photos. Yes. Oh my goodness. We'll talk about this a lot more in our intellectual property episode. Make sure you know how you can use a photo. If you've purchased a piece of stock photography, what are they letting you do with it? Make sure you understand what that license says and what you can do, don't automatically assume that you can do whatever you want. It's not typically the case. No, Usually there's different types of licenses. If you want to sure. use something commercially, et cetera, you've got to make sure you're doing it correctly. Absolutely. And another really great piece of advice, don't use the free stock photos. It's just mm -mm. not worth it. There's too many great stock photo sites out there where you pay a minimal fee, maybe a dollar for a photo or you can subscribe. But the free stock photo sites are just too risky. So we, we typically recommend that people don't use those. Yes. And the last bit of information before you get started is anytime you're creating a new product or you're starting a new business, just go onto the uh, U.S. Trademark Office's website and just run a couple of quick searches in their database just to make sure somebody else isn't using the name. Uh, and that will help you for future issues down the road with trademarking. And we'll link to that in the show notes. It's um, Their database is called TESS, T-E-S-S. -S. So we'll make sure that there's a link there so that you can find it very easily. Yeah, we frequently have people say, but I ran a domain search. And while you should uh. run a domain search and you should run a Google search, it's not enough. You should also check out TESS as well. Yeah. Owning a domain does not mean that you automatically have a trademark or that a trademark is clear. That is correct. That's a lot of information we've just given to people. We have one it more. One and we have more. one more. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's it. We're almost done, guys. We're you're so protected now. <laughs> the last one is more of a general thing. And that is please don't ignore the legal side of your business. Um, please be proactive rather than reactive. Make sure that you have covered yourself from the start so that if a problem arises, you can handle it. What we often see is that people ignore it or they find it too overwhelming. They just haven't taken care of the legal side. And so they don't do anything until a problem comes up, whether it's a lawsuit, a breach of contract, that type of thing. So a cease and desist. <laughs> 
Oh, the cease and desist. So that's where we just want to tell people, we know legal work is an investment, but it's something that should be a line item within your budget so that it helps you to protect your business. It's just like investing in an insurance policy. It's something that is there to help you in case a problem comes up. It should be something you take care of before a problem comes up. Exactly. And identify a great lawyer that so you just know you have someone in your back pocket. Typically, a lawyer will hop on a call with you, have a quick conversation with you to find out about your business and say, hey, yeah, I, I have an expertise in what it is that you're doing and I can help you out in the future. You don't have to pay them any money up front for a lot of lawyers. Um, and sometimes just knowing that there's somebody out there who can help you, that makes all the difference in the world. I agree. And make sure you like your lawyer. And this, oh, that yes. I feel like that sounds so trite, but one of the things that I've heard from clients is they go in and they say, I went to this lawyer. They didn't really know anything about influencer marketing and they made me feel like an idiot. They made me feel like I shouldn't be making money doing this. And some people have actually heard the, oh, you can make money doing that. And these are people who are making five figures a month. They're doing really well and they feel looked down upon by their lawyer. And no one needs to feel that way. You don't, you don't have to enter into a relationship with somebody that you're not comfortable with. And also make sure that you are comfortable with the money that's involved. Ask for estimates. It mm -hmm. might not be a flat fee. It may be something, I, I know we frequently will say, this is going to probably take two to four hours. And if yep. it goes over that, we can let you know. That way, there aren't surprises when you get your bill because there's nothing worse than getting yes. a large surprise bill. I think the most important thing with hiring a lawyer is that person should be a partner. They should be a business partner. They should be someone who makes you money, who helps protect you. They should be somebody who'd be like, yeah, I could totally have a cup of coffee with that person. You shouldn't feel dread when you have to get on the phone with your lawyer. Uh, it should just be somebody who you know has your back and helps you out and has your best interest at heart, which typically means they understand your business. So we always recommend that you feel comfortable uh, and good about whoever you're working with. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that learning these six mistakes was helpful. We would love to see you in the Businesses HQ, our private Facebook group, which is businesses.com slash HQ. And like you heard at the beginning, Jamie and I both have pretty strong opinions about pumpkin spice anything. So we want to know what you think. We'll start a thread talking about all things pumpkin spice. Oh, and if you want to talk about legal, we can do that too. We can, but I really want to talk about how much I hate pumpkin spice. Do you know they have pumpkin spice Twinkies now? That's uh. not okay. That's not acceptable. There's pumpkin spice Cheerios. <laughs> I'm we not can and up. will go on about this all day. In all the day, yes. So join us at businesses.com slash HQ. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businesses.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, The Businesses HQ. To join, visit businesses.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.
You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.